Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning, everyone. Wow, what a beautiful service. What a beautiful church. What a beautiful morning. It's such an honor and pleasure to be here, and I want to thank uh, Reverend Kim Crawford and Herb and the whole team here that have been so welcoming and so gracious. And I want to add my uh, appreciation and congratulations to Herb, though I don't see him right now. Ah, uh, there you are. <laughs> now, I wanted to start actually, um, I was asked to speak in the context of this beautiful, powerful statement, rather restatement of key values uh, of our country here. It's a little unfortunate that we have to restate them over and over again, but it's, it's good nonetheless that we do so. But regardless, despite the seriousness of that topic, I wanted to start with something more relational, relational both between myself and all of you as well as ourselves uh, and God. And the best way I knew how to do so was start by sharing uh, a recitation, as it's called, from a few verses of the Qur'an. Um, now, I didn't know that Herb would beat me to it, but <laughs> I should have expected that, knowing how, uh, how deep his, uh, his, his wisdom is. But I'll up him one by reciting it, uh, some of the verses in Arabic and then share with you uh, the translation of it, and then I'll share a few quick thoughts, and I'll hope to do all of that in seven minutes. So, uh, apologies if it's uh, abrupt uh, in terms of how fast we're moving through some of the things. So these are verses from a chapter in the Qur'an called uh, the Romans or, or Rome. And it's verses uh, 18, rather 17 through 26. فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ حِينَ تُمْسُونَ وَحِينَ تُصْبِحُونَ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَعَشِيًّا وَحِينَ تُظْهِرُونَ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيْتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيْتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ وَيُحْيِي الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا وَكَذَلِكَ تُخْرَجُونَ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ إِذَا أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ ثُمَّ إِذَا أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ تَنْتَشِرُونَ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ 
وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافُ أَلْسِنَتِكُمْ وَأَلْوَانِكُمْ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِلْعَالِمِينَ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ مَنَامُكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَابْتِغَاؤُكُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَسْمَعُونَ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ يُرِيكُمُ الْبَرْقَ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا وَيُنَزِّلُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَيُحْيِي بِهِ الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْقِلُونَ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ تَقُومَ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ بِأَمْرِهِ ثم إذا دعاكم دعوة من الأرض إذا أنتم تخرجون وله من في السماوات والأرض كل له قانتون وهو الذي يبدأ الخلق ثم يعيده وهو أهون عليه وله المثل الأعلى في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم. A translation of which is So give glory to God when you reach the evening and when you rise in the morning. Yea, to Him be praise in the heavens and on earth and in the late afternoon and when the day begins to decline. For it is he who brings out the living from the dead and brings out the dead from the living and who gives life to the earth after it is dead. And thus shall you be brought out from the dead. And among his signs is this, that he created all of you from dust. And then behold, you are human beings scattered far and wide. And among his signs is this, that he created for you mates from amongst your very own selves so that you may dwell in tranquility with them. And he has put love and mercy between your hearts. Verily, in these, in this are signs for those who would reflect. And among his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the variations in all your languages and all your colors. Verily, in that are signs for those who would seek knowledge. And among his signs is the sleep that you take by night and by day, and the quest that you pursue for his bounty. Verily, in that are signs for those who would pay heed. And among his signs is that he shows you lightning to inspire fear and hope, and he sends down rain from the sky, and with it gives life to the earth after it is dead. Verily, in that are signs for those who would use their intellect. And among his signs is this, that heaven and earth stand by his command. Then when he calls you with a single call from the earth, you come straight away. To him belongs every being that is on the heavens and on earth, and all are devoutly obedient to him. 
It is he who begins the process of creation, then repeats it continuously. And for him it is most easy, for, her, for to him belong the loftiest similitudes that we can think of in the heavens and the earth, for he is exalted in might, full of wisdom. Now I chose these verses because they spoke to me about what really brings us together, especially in the congregations of uh, the Universal, uh, Unitarian Universalist Church, which is this desire to connect with God, and by that, to recognize the common humanity that we have, and that God's signs are in the very diversity that we see amongst us. And here, in the statement that was recently written, re-articulating some of the key values, is celebrating that idea of pluralism and diversity that we aspire to and indeed is a way of living out God's signs or being a part of, a, a cognizant part of being a part of God's creation in a way that's respectful of what God says is the purpose of this diversity. Now, in today's uh, times, especially in the last several months, we see a new surge uh, in the challenge to those values. And that specifically, there's a lot of things that we see, but the piece that I want to briefly mention today is the challenge that we see that comes from the bigotry uh, towards Muslims and towards Islam. And certainly we're in challenging times where there's a lot of fear that all of us feel because of things that we see around the world with respect to terrorism and so forth. And I, because of my uh, son, my wife, my family, my friends, my neighbors, I feel that same fear. And yet, the wrong action that has come out of that, out of the parts, out of, the, out of many that are reacting to that in our country is very concerning to me. And more concerning to me in the long run than the challenges, the particular socio-political challenges that we face. Just to give a few examples, first close to home, the mosque that I've been a part of for the last few years, uh, I'm from the Muslim American Society of Boston, which manages the large new Islamic Cultural Center in Roxbury. It's faced challenges since almost when the groundbreaking happened. One of the first things that we saw was a concerted media campaign, which was actually fed by a group that has been against it since then, which in a two-page spread, for example, in the Boston Herald, it said, Al-Qaeda has landed in Boston. And it had a picture of the mosque on one side and a picture of Osama bin Laden on the other side. And you had various headline after headline like that to the extent that we started receiving so much um, uh, hate mail that, uh, and, and then the director at that time who was ambushed many times by Fox News and so forth, his wife said, look, either you take me uh, out of this country or we will have to separate. And so he ended up having to... Uh, now he lives back and forth between Dubai and here, or Abu Dhabi rather, which is um, one of the United Arab Emirates, and he maintains a practice here and there, and, and so on and so forth. And then you have more recently, you know, that same group doctored a video. We have a lot of schools that visit our center to make it seem as if when schools visit our center, what we're trying to do is proselytize to children when it's actually schools that reach out to us to come in and see a prayer. Not that we invite people to come, uh, come to pray there, especially if they're uh, mi uh, minors or anything like that. And many other challenges. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a town in um, New York, upstate New York that began a campaign to try to uh, 
remove Muslim graves from a city, from a city graveyard there, uh, saying that these, you know, th this were these, even though these, this happened years ago, but then they they're buried there and tried to remove them, and that was just recently defeated, thankfully. You have mosques in, in Tennessee and uh, in uh, Staten Island and in Florida and Texas and Wisconsin uh, in, in uh, Ohio and right here in Massachusetts that have been facing vicious campaigns against them, some of them including a bullet-riddled copy of the Quran placed out front, uh, a shooting incident outside a mosque in upstate New York, uh, an arson incident in Tennessee, this all within the last couple of months that certainly afterwards I could give you more specific examples of. And so this statement, while it doesn't, uh, it kind of brings us back to reaffirming our strength of our values towards all of this. So I, I thank um, all of you in creating such a welcoming space in here. And I want that we extend this welcoming space as a nation to broader and broader places, including our body politic in general, and certainly our public discourse. When you have figures as high as Newt Gingrich feeling comfortable to say, equating Muslims to Nazis and saying, you know, whatever you may feel about whether it's sensitive or insensitive to have a mosque a few blocks from, uh, you know, where the World Trade Center used to stand, without prejudging what you may feel about that, what Newt Gingrich said about that is that, well, would we allow, you know, Nazis to put up um, you know, uh, a symbol of theirs next to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., equating basically all of Muslims wanting to, you know, have a community center in a piece of land that they already own as Nazis coming and setting up shop. So this, when, when the public discourse allows for that type of, type of thing without any consequences for that, we know we're in a, uh, in a bad place. But I have hope that indeed with this type of um, love that that's at the root of a lot of our faith communities that we will overcome it. So thank you once again for having me, and I look forward to be a part of this uh, greater community, this greater interfaith community and community of conscience in general that we're working to establish here in greater Boston. Thank you. Islam is a rich and complex faith tradition, but Ibu Patel's grandmother explained everything. Ibu Patel is the founder and executive director of the Chicago-based Interfaith Youth Corps. He and his friend Kevin visited his grandmother in Bombay. His grandmother loved Kevin. She would call for him in the morning to come sit with her. He would put his head in her lap and she would stroke it and whisper Arabic prayers over him, asking God to keep him safe on the straight path. You are a Jew, she asked him. Kevin nodded. Mashra Allah, she responded. 
meaning thanks be to God. Ibu Patel's grandmother spent most of her days sitting in the living room, clad in white beads flowing through her fingers as she recited the name of God over and over. Allah, Allah, Allah. She wept as she prayed, as the love overflowed from her heart. She also provided safe harbor to women and children escaping domestic violence. Over the course of 45 years, a hundred or more made their way to her door. One arrived when Ibu and Kevin were visiting. Ibu was worried. What if the man who had hurt this woman came looking for her? God is with us, his grandmother said. Why do you do this, Ibu asked, exasperated and fearful. His grandmother looked shocked by the question, but answered anyway. I am a Muslim. This is what Muslims do. Since even before that September morning nine years ago, when 19 fundamentalist terrorists claimed to be acting in the name of their God, many Americans have confused Islam with terrorism. If America is going to live up to its greatness, if we are all going to live up to the great command to love our neighbor as ourselves, we will need to commit to understanding Islam. George Washington, in a letter written in August of 1790 to the Hebrew congregation at Newport, Rhode Island, said, the citizens of the United States of America have a right to applaud themselves for having given to mankind examples of an enlarged and liberal policy, a policy worthy of imitation. All possess alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. He continues, for happily, the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution, no assistance, requires only that they who live under its protection should conduct themselves as good citizens. This is America. To bigotry, no sanction. This past week, Juan Williams, a senior news analyst for National Public Radio, was fired for making an anti-Muslim remark on Fox News. As NPR ombudsman Alicia Shepard writes, Juan Williams, who is African-American, somehow missed the fact that what he said was absolutely equivalent to saying, when I get on the plane, I got to tell you, if I see an African-American male in a dashiki with a big afro, I get worried. I get nervous. We expect that kind of ignorance and prejudice from uneducated people, but Juan Williams is not only educated, he has chronicled and championed the civil rights movement. And he is, most unfortunately, in very bad company. The New Republic magazine is known for its left-leaning political commentary. 
But in a September 4th blog post, owner and editor-in-chief Martin Peretz questioned whether Muslims should be afforded the freedom guaranteed by the First Amendment of the Constitution. It was so debased that I will not repeat it from this pulpit. I am grateful to the New York Times, Nicholas D. Kristof, who exploded, as did the Atlantic's James Fallows. Nicholas Kristof said, this is one of those times that tests our values, a bit like the shameful interning of Japanese Americans during World War II, or the disgraceful refusal to accept Jewish refugees from Nazi Europe. Religious leaders were also quick to denounce the anti-Muslim frenzy, which I want to emphasize is an anti-American frenzy. Cardinal Theodore McCarrick said, this is not America. America was not built on hate. Rabbi David Saperstein said, we know what it is like when people have attacked us verbally, attacked us physically, and others have remained silent. It cannot happen here in America. And Reverend Richard Sizek, an evangelical Christian, said, shame on you. You bring dishonor to the name of Jesus Christ. You directly disobey his commandment to love your neighbor. Juan Williams is without remorse. Martin Peretz later apologized, says he does not believe what he wrote. I don't even know where to begin with that kind of apology, <laughs> especially since it is vitriol and not regret that sells. My spiritual companions, Unitarian Universalism covenants to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every being. Let us educate ourselves, add our names to the no bigot to, to bigotry, no sanction online petition, open our minds and hearts and hands. Now is the time to say no to intolerance and yes to love our neighbors. Now is the time to stand up, speak up, and speak out for our nearly seven million Muslim neighbors. Now let us begin. This is America. To bigotry, no sanction. Amen. <laughs>